Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Excited to be here. Z, uh, first podcast of the new year. So we're starting this off maybe on a depressing note. I don't know. We'll get into it. Uh, You and I have been talking about opting out and what it means practically to opt out in these strange, strange times that we're in. This goes back to the start of the pandemic. I mean, actually, the trends that have been creating all of the craziness in the world go back well before that. But the pandemic seems to be an acceleration. So prior to the pandemic, we already had these weird trends in place where people were more woke. uh, They were more willing to cancel other people. You couldn't express ideas. Uh, There was this sense of authoritarian control. Uh, We saw it in the U.S. uh, with Trump, and uh, we saw the same thing with leaders around the world. So you've seen it in India and the Philippines. And it's just been this strange environment, but we get to COVID and all of these trends that are already in motion, it seems like they've been amped up by a factor of 10. And I don't know if this is intentional. I don't know if people are just seizing the moment and coming in and playing the situation to their advantage, but suddenly we're all supposed to fall in line. So you take something like censorship. In the past, there were certain things that we couldn't say because the woke police would get on our case. Now it's not even phrases that we can't say. It's certain types of research that we can't express. If there are concerns about vaccines or if there are studies that don't fit the official narrative, guess what? You can't talk about them. Even content from peer-reviewed journals, in some cases, you can't post on social media because it doesn't fit the official story. And the companies don't care. They just want to avoid controversy. So they'll do whatever the government at large is asking people to do or asking people to believe. So we got the rise of censorship. We have all of the lockdowns around the world. In that regard, the U.S. Is, has been pretty well off. Uh, we've had uh, times when we've been encouraged to stay at home, uh, but we've never gotten to the point like Australia or Italy where uh, we've been forced to stay inside, where if you're outside after hours, uh, you have to pay fines, you can face jail time. But this has been happening around the world. And in conjunction with that, we've got this drive towards vaccines. And again, as you and I have talked about, it's not that we're pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, but we are pro-choice. We are pro-taking control of your body and making decisions that work for you. And there is this expectation that, number one, everyone is going to fall in line. And number two, there's no end in sight. So it would be one thing if this were a one-time measure. Maybe you could say, okay, fine, we can take the vaccine. We can get on with our lives. We can put this chapter behind us. But it's continuous boosters. It's new variants that are coming out. It feels like we're going to get to a state where the vaccine just becomes part of the annual flu shot. So now if you didn't want to take a flu shot, you have to take a flu shot to get the vaccine. You have to record that information. That's going to be in some passport and some central database. So there's all this information now that the government is going to have about you. And where is that going to lead? What other information are we going to give up? How much of our privacy are we going to sacrifice? And why are we doing this? What's interesting to me is that you go back 10 years, maybe 20 years. 20 years ago, I don't believe the world would have fallen in line. Uh, But more recently, that's just the trend. It's this trend towards trusting the experts, not asking questions, following the rules. And not that there's anything inherently wrong with following the rules, but like any other dogma, any other ideology – You have to ask whether it makes sense. You know, maybe 90%, 95% of the time it's fine, but you pay attention for those points in time when there's a real cost and things are moving in scary directions. And that's the situation that it feels like we're in right now. Uh, So we talk about, as a society, wanting to be safe, wanting to protect ourselves. Yeah, but at what cost? At the cost of giving up control of our health, of our bodies, at the cost of being anxious all the time, at the cost of not being able to express our opinions and ask questions, at the cost of staying inside. So yeah, I can be perfectly safe if I never do anything. Uh, If I'm in the matrix and I'm in one of those pods, 
where my mind is in some virtual reality. My body is secluded from any harm. But what kind of life is that? Uh, to me, that doesn't make any sense. That's not living. Uh, I'd rather be dead than do that. Uh, but that's the standard that we're adopting. Let's do whatever it takes to stay safe, to maintain order, regardless of the cost to our humanity, regardless of whether it destroys the human spirit. So I'm getting worked up, Z, as you can hear, as we're talking about this. And it puts us in a place where a lot of us don't want to participate. Again, I don't want to come out and say what's right or what's wrong. We don't own the truth. Maybe there are other perspectives. All I know is that there are certain things that I want to do and certain things that I'd rather not be a part of, which brings us back to this concept of opting out. We've talked before, a big theme of our podcast is we might not be able to change the world. Maybe we can, maybe we can't. But let's first focus on ourselves. Let's take care of our health, our sanity. Let's make sure that we're thriving. If we do that, we can shine a light. Maybe other people will follow us. Whether they do or not, we'll be okay. We'll create a community of people where there's some mutual benefit. Uh, we're around people that are uplifting our humanity, that are contributing to our advancement, and we'll feel pretty good, which at the end of the day is all we can ask for. Hopefully, we live long, we die fast, and in the interim, we enjoy life to the fullest. Uh, so how can we get to that state? Now, the challenge is the more dysfunctional society becomes, the more controlling, the more restrictive it becomes. When you have this opt-out mentality, the more it sticks out and the more resistance there is to it. So, for example, back in the day, maybe I'd get a flu shot, maybe I wouldn't. No one really asked about it. Maybe my family did at times, and maybe they would say, well, you should get it, but they didn't really care that much. Vaccine status is a totally different thing. If you don't do it, you're at best a pariah, at worst you're a criminal, and you might face uh, some kind of sanction, you might lose your job. Uh, now in New York, for example, if you fabricate a vaccine record, you can spend a year in jail, uh, which to me is a pretty significant penalty for a law that, I don't know, has it even been tested in the courts? I mean, is this even something that's constitutional? Um, so that's the environment that we're in, uh, this desire to opt out. I would argue is more important than ever before, but it's becoming harder and harder because society becomes suffocating. It's like a blanket that you're wrapped up in and you're fighting to breathe and, and you just can't escape. Uh, so what do we do? I mean, on the one hand, we might say, all right, let's just get off the grid, but then we leave a lot behind. Uh, there are other controls that we might face, other downsides that we might face if we step away from society. Practically, we might want to not want to do it. So if we want to stay within society, be in the world, but maybe not of the world, and we want to opt out and create an environment where we can thrive, but still respect the fact that we're living with other people and there are certain things that we have to do, or if we choose not to do them, there are potentially severe consequences. Uh, there's explicit punishment. Uh, there's being ostracized from communities. Uh, there's just friction when we're dealing with people. What's the best way to go about it? Has our concept of opting out changed? Or even if the concept hasn't changed, has the way that we opt out changed? So that's really what today's discussion is. Z, I'm going to hand it over to you. Just kick us off. Give us some thoughts on where we are and how we should think about opting out. Well, Vin, one of the important pieces of the idea of opting out is individual liberty. Really, an opt-out is a person that appreciates and values individual liberty. Just write that down, individual liberty. And what does that mean in a shared society? That the idea of being a human being allows me to explore my humanity. And with the shared common society we have, there are sanctions on the range of that for the sake of others' liberty. So in other words, I don't impose upon another person's liberty. So whatever I'm doing shouldn't impose upon you. And those are the things that have to be thought about, considered as we move through life. When you take away individual liberty and you have a sort of 
mono a, a, a mono a, a mono monopoly i don't know what to say about it just or, or or just this one way of thinking one way of being one right one wrong dictated by again the faceless committee that has no responsibility no one to answer to there's no sanctions or penalties and there's no redress of them you've given up that concept of an individual and you've made the individual part of a collective uh, unlike uh, uh, drone bees in a hive just moving about following the directions of an unseen uh, fair hormone emitter in the in the hive right and so that's where we're at and i always like to look at causality like how did we get here and I try to check myself all the time, Vin, and make sure I'm just not some old dude that's grumpy about the way the new generation is. I, I, so I, I try to look at data and history, and I look at re relatively recent history, let's say just the last 10 years. And I look at things that are going on now that would not have been accepted, even by younger people. So I think, Caitlin, you guys are just coming into your 30s. So back in your 20s, I, I couldn't imagine then you being okay with somebody saying, hey, they're going to tax the sun, or that it's illegal to collect rainwater. So these may not seem like big deals, but you start getting a lot of little things together, and the girth of it becomes insurmountable. The things you've gone along with without question. Just think, we don't, we don't even question things anymore. So there's not necessarily, I wouldn't say there's a set conspiracy, but I would say that the dominoes are falling. And like a row of dominoes, you just need to push one or two. And the whole thing comes down. So I start looking and I think about how we can no longer have real discussions. There was an article about, I guess, uh, two comedians, David Chappelle and Patton Oswalt or something. And they were. it was more important to me, not the celebrity thing, but the, the concept of it that he had to write long apologies for taking a picture with David Chappelle that apparently had been his friend for 30 years. I have friends that I have had most of my life. I would never apologize for being their friends. They think different than me. They have different lifestyles than me. But I would never imagine myself in a position where I felt I needed to write a letter, a public letter to an unknown public, an unvested public, and apologize for my friendship in order to hope that I can secure my career. You, you see, this is, there's something wrong. There's something rotten about that. And I really want to just really focus on this concept of individual liberty and the slowly, slowly closing in on that, confining it, restricting it, suffocating it. And it's little things that you don't think are big deals that I think the average one don't think is a big deal. Can you have an opinion? Can you think for yourself? That's what an opinion is. Hey, I have an opinion. I was raised a certain way. I have a certain view on life, and that's it. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't bother you. But I, if, if I think that way, will it cause me great suffering? And in a society that's built solely around comfort and comfort-seeking, Anything that causes discomfort or pain, we immediately reject and run from. Any challenge. So where did what 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 happened in really recent times is this idea that life should be without adversity, without physical adversity, that brought us the obesity diabetic epidemic of today. Look at any movie twenty years ago; you did not see a population of obese people with type 3, type 2 diabetes. So this endless pursuit of, of, of comfort without effort, uh, convenience, uh, you name it, everything's easy and we love easy. And so that has set us up for something. I'm not saying that you seek hard, but you, know, you understand the general exchange of things, the exchange of efforts and energy. And thus, when you lose that sense of exchange, you also lose reverence. You also lose gratitude. So now we see the epidemic of anger. Just every day, there's some horrible story about 
uh, someone just losing it on an airplane or, or berserk. This, this, this didn't go on 20 years ago. And again, I want to be really careful in my own perception. Is it the perception of some old dude that just hates rock and roll? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be that dude. So I'm, I'm really trying to step away from myself and observe things that, that are going on. That how did we get here? And I, I just see the loss of the individual, the idea of individual rights. I see it. I just, I just see that. And, and, and those rights are not given and taken by a human being. Those are concepts we share collectively, globally. Most people agree that as an individual, you are an individual. That's why you have a name, and that's why uh, you, we're encouraged to study and grow and, and find our own way in the sun. There are societies that suppress individual liberty to promote social constructs of different kind. And for most of my life, people were really against that. They railed against totalitarianism, authoritarianism, all that. Now people are craving it. And to me, it seems like it happened in a relatively short period of time. That dictators are no longer dictators, but they are uh, guides. They're great leaders. People who are heavy-handed authoritarians that have various minions and serfs working for them are admired. And a matter of fact, there's no resistance to them. This is what I'm seeing. And it's just been a few things I've seen lately that made me go, hmm. Here in California, <clears throat> I can't get over this. They're taxing the sun. See, there was a horror movie about that many years ago. And people laughed and said, oh, they, no government would get that bad where they're trying to tax your time in the sun. And then Caitlin mentioned that many places it's illegal, and I've heard this from other people, to collect rainwater. See, these are, these are social experiments. There's no reason for that other than you're experimenting. We're, we're basically lab rats. So now we get Kofifi, the pandemic. Whatever you think about the pandemic, which we hope we think about it, the views have now been filtered through extreme polarization of society. So before this, we were we, the first before this whole thing came out, we were becoming more polarized than I have seen in my lifetime. I could be wrong. I haven't seen everything. But in this country, we share this speck of land, this particular hemisphere. People have always had different views of things. And then they had a large number of people were kind of a foot in and a foot out of whatever it was. Now people are absolutely one way or another. Once you have extreme polarization, add a drop of ignorance, add the trends and fads that are shared by both sides, of ignorance, they're not, they're not researching, they're not studying, they're just listening to infotainment news or confirmation news, you have extreme polarization. Once people are ex extremely polarized, that very effort of polarization takes a tremendous amount of energy that takes away from other things such as deductive reasoning. So you're on this side or that side and you can't hear anything that comes from the other side is from the enemy. It's from the enemy. So I hear people, how we casually, those of us who were not fans of Trump, casually mentioned Trump, but I would say, not but, but I'd, I'd offer to that that I have my own historical reasons for, for not liking uh, certain types of people. Uh, but are you better off now? Are the people who are now in that position of leadership, are they doing better? Well, let's look at the news today. Anybody that does a transaction over, or transaction over zeal, paper, whatever, you are now under the scrutiny of the government. You can be audited by the, whatever. They're just, your information is shared far and wide because of the transactions you make. Um, 
you must conform to all manner of COVID rules, whatever comes up. If your children don't, there are some people that are, their children are being threatened to take away from if they question the COVID protocols. Great teachers are losing their jobs simply for questioning the COVID protocols. And people are saying, yeah, get them, burn them, kill them, take their career away, let them rot in hell. That's our attitude now. That's our attitude. If we don't want our children to learn um, the, new, the new sex things that are out there now, the new pronouns and all this stuff, I, I can't go with it. If you choose it, hey, maybe I don't want my six or seven-year-old learning about whatever um, sexual things that people are involved with now, um, gender morphing and, and, and trans morphing, whatever the hell's going on, bimorphing. I don't know what it's called. But I don't think I really, my kids are interested in that. They're like interested in Hot Wheels and science. And I want to focus on that. I don't really want them to come home with homework dealing with adult sexual issues, perversions, fetishes. I, I don't see the value of that. And if I don't do that and I pull my child away from that school, I can be subject to Child Protective Services oversight. Now, what I'm asking all of us out there is this slippery slope we've been on. And then it's been coming for a while, but then it seems to be peaking and hitting this, this watershed moment where a lot of this is, is, is beyond the scope of our conscience. That's why I'm having trouble even articulating some of it, because I've lived long enough to know a world without all of this. Most of my life, we did not have this type of assault on individual liberty. Even during the height of the civil rights and human rights battles around the world, it, the, 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 the colonial wars of, of Africa, the civil and human rights movement of the Americas, the comfort in which people have taking away individual liberty or giving their individual liberty away is astonishing. It is, to me, it is unnatural because every human being wants to live and exist. But we're not living truly if someone else is telling you what that life should be like, how you should think, who you should love, how you should educate yourself, what's important, what's not. And that is what I want the opt-outs to think about, because even for us who are opting out, we want to back away from the grid. We don't want to be a part of it. We don't, I don't want to impose my will on other people or my views, so I want to just be away from it. But now they're taxing you to be away from it, and it's creating a situation where endless surveillance, and not only is it surveillance, but then a way of assessing judging, investigating. So it's not just surveillance. It's building these various virtual and gross algorithms of people and deciding who's a good person and who's not. Affecting your, the human commerce, not just only financial commerce, but human commerce. There's a way now, I just told Kayla, there's an app that you can track everybody you've been around who might have COVID. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? Well, I remember a few years ago, a deranged girlfriend had an um, app on my phone that tracked my phone. I didn't know it. I didn't know I was being tracked. But everywhere I would go, this person would show up. And um, I shouldn't say girlfriend. It was just a female that, that had, you know, a lot of women are obsessed over me. And so this was one who took it a little further than others. And she had put some kind of uh, hidden app on my phone. Everywhere I would go, this woman would be within 10 feet of me. And I was like, my God, this is horrible. Nowadays, we're actually willfully downloading this type of app to know who has Kofifi. Do we not see the bigger picture that it doesn't end with COVID? It doesn't end with that. So now you have that person's location, name, or whatever. And later on, you can just see who they're associating with. I would say for all of us who are lovers of individual liberty, let's open our minds a little more. Look at the little things, the subtle things. And if it doesn't seem right, it's probably not right. 
keep your mind aware what is individual liberty and with that individual liberty what are the responsibilities of individual liberty and I would say we can all shit together and think of things I wish not to impose my way my life my view on another person I do enjoy sharing ideas lifestyle views temperament with people who are of like temperament I have the good fortune on a regular basis I teach an online class and I have many many people who we have shared temperament we really enjoy each other's company we learn from each other these people push my growth every day and it's inspiring it's one of the things I look forward to in my day because it's very enriching as a human being I grow I feel myself expanding I, I'm curious I'm in wonderment and I can go to all these different people from different backgrounds that share a common theme and I can see our commonality our common shared interests our common shared humanity I love their company it is one of the most enriching things one can experience yet we live in a world now where very few people get to do that because there's a, a litmus test so to say of entry into various groups you must believe a certain way think a certain way wave the flag a certain way or you're ostracized or you're out it's extremely polarized society a polarized society is an easy society to manipulate because you you have a very binary you only have to develop binary tactics to deal with group A and group B you know what meat you can throw to group A and you know what meat to throw to group B to keep them feeling uh, well in their own particular citadels of thought and idea and never leaving that so as long as we can throw meat to them and feed their hunger they're docile fighting amongst themselves and ready to attack the other group which isn't even their enemy so for those of us who are opting out let us step back away from that and really think about where we're going to head in the future as it comes to individual liberty how to think for yourself developing the, the, the means and ways to think for yourself and then developing the skill set necessary to do that how do we navigate around all of this and in the world that technology is now running us there's going we, we will have to be a bit more technically or and uh, technologically literate so we can know how not to fall into these various traps and that's going to be something itself but let us think about just being a human being in your place in the Sun for this short life to be a part of a group led by an unknown committee that's not living at all the drone bee will never really know life the worker ant has already been given a script from cradle to grave but it's always the one that leaves that that expands advances and promotes the evolution of the species those of us who are opting out we are we hope that our efforts will help advance our species even if it's not as altruistic as that just to live a good life a storied life having lived well for now those things are, are are out of the reach of many people because of the conformity look at what we're conforming to walk down the streets of any city people are overwhelmed with disease I'm not being extreme and what we do we change the name of the disease we get a celebrity to promote or advocate the disease uh, people talk freely now about how emotionally disturbed they are and it's almost trendy I was sitting in a restaurant and I heard people talking about what medications they were taking with their meal to deal with mental health issues antipsychotics it was so it was so passive you know blase that they just yeah yeah I'm taking a blah 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 for you know or I'll slit your throat if I don't take they were giggling about it. so we've normalized such a level of dysfunction do you really want to be a part of that for those who have children do you want to have an opportunity to educate your kids and you got to work hard every day and do this and you trust that when you send your kids to school that they're learning how to learn that's all really school is for so they can learn how to learn 
not telling them what to learn, what to believe, what values they should hold. That's not what the school is there for. Not who to vote for or, 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 or whose lifestyle is preferable. That's not what school is for. Maybe there are individuals who like that idea and it validates who they are. But that's not what school is for. That's not what it was meant for. To promote and support a growing mind. If they want to be engineers, astronauts, artists, whatever, just promote that. But please don't tell them what lifestyle to embrace and not embrace. Now kids think that their mom and dad are weird because they're mom and dad. Caitlin rolls her eyes. You want to know what I mean by that? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, there's mommy, mommy, and daddy, daddy. I have two dads. I have two moms. So if you have a mom and a dad, you're kind of weird. And you don't get it. I'm not against those people like that at all. But that's not my child's business. That's your child's business. So can we have healthy boundaries and get along? That doesn't mean I want to kill you or you want to kill me. It's like I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat with people who eat meat. Now, I don't eat the same food they eat. That's okay. I have a, my wife eats meat. She has a section of the fridge. I got a section of the fridge. I find it appalling, meat eating. But there are bigger fish to fry, as they say in the world. There are bigger issues. So I just don't eat it. But there are so many other things that we can, we can come together. I don't drink alcohol. I know people who love alcohol. We get along fine. Because that's the individual liberty and the respect of individual liberty and valuing it. Because that's how you grow. I learn things from people. I learn a lot from people that aren't just like me. So we're going into a world where we all should be the same, all should believe the same. So all these things are examples. This COVID epidemic <clears throat> has torn families apart. Maybe the epidemic itself didn't tear the family apart. Maybe those things always existed. It brought them to the surface. I've heard of people, in addition to politically being polarized, people have lost family connections during, a lot of that happened during the Trump administration. Um, not because of Trump, because the family had a lot of issues anyway that they never addressed. And when Trump was being bombastic and speaking up and people were cheering him or booing him, it brought it out. You see? Now with the whole way that the pandemic is, is kind of goose-stepped into our life, I've heard of families that are alienated from each other because of their beliefs in that. The idea that they're going to protect themselves from this evil family member that didn't go along with the script. Isn't that interesting? I'm sitting right here with Caitlin. She's a walking encyclopedia of COVID variants. Uh, I feel great. I'm keeping a healthy social distance. She has a mask loosely placed on her face. Um, and I think she just drank out of my drink, but I, and I felt something. But we're okay. We're okay. I'm going to go home, shower, drink some hydrogen peroxide quinine, quercetin, take a bunch of vitamin C. That's what I do anyway. I do that anyway. I don't know. Omicron kind of doesn't care. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, I think she was wrong to hang out with Trump, and she lost her job. My name is Amoroso. Is that what it's called? No, I, I said Omicron doesn't care how many Oh, I thought you were about Amoroso. I thought, uh, is it named after her that... I don't know. Yeah, okay. it's, it's named after a military term. You would know. What... I, I've never heard that in the military. I'm sorry. The people make up stuff. Caitlin, they make up stuff. Okay? They make up stuff. And then we take it as fact. And then they put it on Wikipedia as truth. Just because it's on Google don't mean it's truth. Just because it's on Wikipedia doesn't mean it's real. All right? So again, Vin, just getting back on track, for those of us who are opting out, I'm really wanting us to meditate on individual liberty and the assault on individual liberty, which is a many-pronged assault. The polarization of society is, a, is an assault on individual liberty. A highly polarized society is a weak society, where people can no longer have healthy, 
discourse and discussion and advancing thought and sharing ideas. Another issue is this rigid conformity to government authority without a government that is responsible, responsive, or accountable to the people in which it oversees. That is a problem. Another problem, as you see, the censorship has become popular. It is in. It is normal. As you experience, Vin, just saying the wrong thing on the internet, you get censored. The whole idea of freedom of speech is good uh, because you want to deal with speech that you don't like. And uh, I understand the concept, the struggle of hate speech or provocative speech. When you have a diseased society, when people are ignorant and dullards, they're easily tricked into doing things and, and getting involved in all sorts of uh, a, a mass mob behavior because there's a bigger problem behind that. Why would you follow anybody to your own demise? Why would you rally together and you don't understand the real details or the benefit of it or the clear objectives of your rally? So that is a problem. So in that case, uh, one of the reasons they have to sanction free speech isn't because free speech is bad, it's because ignorance is bad. But then I want to know who's sanctioning what speech. So again, our mission is always to promote a, a healthier way of being and to mitigate human suffering. And one of the things we're suffering through is the loss of personal liberty. Because that can even affect, in many places, I've heard of them cracking down on certain health foods people would take. A few years ago, they took a few products off the market because it was competing with pharmaceutical companies. The more we allow, the less we have available to ourselves. And the way you don't allow this is don't buy into it. Don't participate in it. Don't support it. Don't give it life. Don't breathe into it. Don't just go along. When you hear that California is taxing the sun, you might not want to be such a proud Californian and maybe be a, a wise human and, and push back against something like that if you're of the political uh, type. If you're not as an individual, always look for the workaround, how to get around this. It's going to be more difficult. I mean, it's going to be, we're going to be really running a, a serpentine path through a gauntlet of, of, of hellfire because it's, it's every, every time it comes up, it's bizarre. Everything you read, it's bizarre and no one questions it. So let's start questioning things that don't seem right. If it doesn't smell right, something's wrong with it. If it doesn't look right, trust what you see. If it doesn't sound right, question it. If it doesn't feel right, examine it. And by doing that, we put ourselves in a, in, in a place of self-ownership. And personal liberty starts first with personal ownership. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, everything you laid out, Z, I agree with. You and I have consistent views on this topic. I do want to present the other side of the argument and get your reaction to it. And I know how I think about this, but it's useful to hear it from your perspective because you've grown up in very different circumstances than I have. And when I look at my upbringing and what I've been taught and the messages that I've absorbed and the people that I spend time with, a lot of the view that has led up to where we are today is if you're not doing anything wrong, what do you care about infringement on personal liberty? So, yeah, maybe people are getting harassed by the police, but so what? If they weren't walking around with, with drugs and with guns, it wouldn't be a problem. They're criminals anyway. Or with COVID, if everyone just follows the rules, we'll all be fine. Why is it so hard to follow the rules? Why is it so hard to take out a vaccine card? If the government has information about where you're going, what are you so worried about? What do you have to hide? What do you want to keep private? So there's this narrative. I would say that there are actually two ideas that are pretty, I don't know if ingrained is the right word. And honestly, Z, I don't even know where they come from, <clears throat> which is also an interesting topic because I know they exist. I've seen them in myself, I've seen them in people around me, but I don't know where they come from. I mean, maybe that just speaks to how pervasive they are. Uh, one of those ideas is just follow the rules and you're going to be fine. Uh, and maybe that's this, that's a version 
of what you've been talking about, uh, which is we're all looking for comfort, we're looking for safety, and it's this illusion that as long as we do what we're told to do, someone else is going to bail us out, someone else is going to take care of us. Uh, so that's one point of view. And the other idea, which also seems pretty well ingrained in a lot of people, is just don't do anything wrong and you'll be fine. And then none of this will matter because you got nothing to hide. Uh, you've got nothing to fear. So the government is taking a look at your bank account. Uh, so what? If you're not laundering money, how is it going to affect you? How is this an imposition? It's only going to affect those people who are doing something that they shouldn't be doing. So I, I want to hear this from your standpoint, because I know this is very different than what you've grown up with, but maybe you can speak to either people in our audience or people more generally who have been brought up with these ideas. What's your perspective? Well, I'd say this is that, again, individual liberty, uh, the, the idea of the, the sanctity of a human being. And government is made of people. People have biases. They have um, views. There are just as many people in government who are sick. There's an example of the judge recently who decided to resign after she was caught on videotaping tape referring to black people as roaches. So imagine going to court standing in front of this judge. And let's put it together. Here's, here's my experience. It's different. So people say, just go along with the cops. So I've seen cops plant guns on people. They've even busted some of the cops. And you know what it takes to bust a cop? It takes a lot. So you have a corrupt police force that imposes harsh penalties on a community, and they have um, immunity, right? So they're never held to that. So you have any encounter with that person. They're coming in with their own biases, and they interact with you. Now you're caught up in a legal system, and you stand in front of a judge that thinks you're a roach or some sort of insect? Or what about the other judge that were making up laws to put juveniles in jail because she had a vested interest in the local private prison? Okay? So there was no penalty or sanctions against her, just a slap on the wrist, and she was ostracized a bit socially. But she did not suffer the penalty of the kids that she had put in jail. They were raped, beat, tortured. And she made up laws to lock them up in order to enrich herself. By enriching herself, she became more affluent and people respected her even more in our society. You have all manner, look, you have J. Edgar Hoover, who was a peeping Tom and a pervert who would spy upon anybody he could and, and, and collected sex tapes on everybody so that he could blackmail people in government and private lives. So why would I want to trust him? Why, why, why would I want to trust an institution that doesn't penalize that behavior? So you say there's a justice system that's available to those who can afford it. You can get away with murder if you can afford it. What if you can't afford it? So why would a, a person with a bit of decency in their heart want to participate that? The ideas of America, for the immigrant especially, this idea of no taxation without representation. So the IRS, or whatever it is, why would I want to participate in that when there's no part of the system that's representing me? Health care for the average working person is horrific. It's still horrific. You know, the, the uh, whatever called the CARE Act under Obama helps some people, but it's still appalling compared to the rest of the world. Where does the money go? And who's, who's answerable to that? We even see now with all the polarization in government, one side is trying to hold another side responsible for different things, and nobody even responds to the subpoenas. I was asking somebody, what, what are you doing? If I didn't respond to a subpoena, I could be locked away for jail and you'd never see me again. There are really people in jail right now who didn't respond to subpoenas and warrants, who are now in jail for not responding to subpoena and warrant, not even the crime they were accused of the average person. So for those of us, when I hear people say, line up and go, go, go along, with who? I don't trust you. I would be okay with the pandemic if they would, the government would announce that they will apologize for the Tuskegee experiments, compensate all relatives, adjust the books, 
if they would say, we're going to purge the judicial system of all hateful people, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, various other people who hold views that cannot serve the general public, then I would trust them. Or would, they, would the AMA apologize for experimenting on black women to develop the knowledge we have today of OBGYN? You know they didn't give black people anesthesia often, even up until the 1980s and 90s. Black people didn't get anesthesia because it was believed and taught up until the 2000s that black people have a higher pain threshold. No, what we have is an, an enduring self because we weren't ever comfortable. So things that might make somebody else uncomfortable is just another day in fucking paradise for me. I'm sorry. So we had to deal with it. Marginalized people had to deal with it. Your tooth hurt, you can't afford a dentist, deal with it. That doesn't mean I can take more pain. I just had more more painful things waiting me if I didn't show up for work, if my kids went hungry. So please, so I do not see why it's such a stretch that people do not trust the institutions of government and law. If they were to do a truth and reconciliation that was based on pure sincerity and a patriotic desire to make a better union, then I would have a different conversation. I know people who have worked themselves to death. The young lady or the, the, the woman who owns the store up the street, one of my heroes, Teresa, Korean woman, 7 a.m. to 9 or 10 at night with no break. She gets no support from any government institution. Just more regulations, more challenges. The owner of Safeway doesn't have to go through that. The owner of Walmart doesn't have to go through that. But for the common working individual, and if you and the polarization of society has pitted, uh, made it a black and white issue. These are real issues. Fix the police force. I can walk through a police force in one day and just let's just get the all the guys with neo-Nazi tattoos and make sure they can never work as cops. Get every prisoner that that judge sent to jail, let them retry with an unbiased jury. That person should not be a judge, and they're all over. There are tens of thousands of them. So you ask me now to trust the system? You've read the story of Henrietta Locks. Your mom told me about that book. I read it. Most of us owe all cancer research, especially women, to Henrietta Lotz. They just compensated her body, her family for using her body parts for cancer experiments. 70, 60, 70 years ago, they just compensated her family. After news came out, the lack of any type of moral character. And these people are judges, doctors, and the worst of all are the politicians. They all sleep together, figuratively, figuratively and literally. I often tell the story about when I was a young man and I lived in Washington, D.C., and I had a GAO contract to service the mainframes throughout uh, all the different departments. And I had a girlfriend, and she invited me to a um, Halloween party, which I'm not into at all, but because she was cute, it was the price of admission. You know, I'm a guy. I went along with it just to hang out with her and make things easier for myself. We go to 17th and L Street in Washington, D.C. 17th and L. That is across the street from the White House and the old Department of War next to the White House. That is the headquarters at the time of the Secret Service. They had fake storefronts at the time. I don't know how it is now. It was these kind of storefronts, little stores that were rarely open. And you went in and they greeted you. And some of the people knew me because I was a regular contractor there. And it ended up being a wife swapper's Halloween party. Wife swapping or whatever you call it. Swinging, whatever you call it. And everybody that I had just seen on C-SPAN that day was there. Democrat, Republican, Independent. They were all there sleeping together. 
And then they would be on C-SPAN arguing about the moral fabric of the nation and them keeping it intact, demeaning one another when they were literally sleeping together, exchanging body fluids. So for those of us in the public who thinks that politician is fighting for, no, it's a sociopath and a psychopath. And you want me to believe them. You want me now to trust them. You might as well be a, an altar boy and a priest together and asking me to find a, more, a, high, a person of high moral character. It ain't going to happen. So that's just my experience, Vin, when you ask me. I've seen people, good people, broken, working hard and get overregulated, undervalued. I remember applying for jobs when I got out of the military in college. And I went to <clears throat> say, hey, you know, I want to be an air traffic controller. Ronald Reagan had fired all the air traffic controllers. And I was going to go be an air traffic controller. And at the time, it was predominantly white field. There was no rules, anti-discrimination rules. And so I had a, one of my buddies, um, happened to be a white guy. He went and took tests. He says, the test is really easy. Let's go, because, you know, you, you were controlling the military. And I said, no, they gave me a completely different test that had nothing to do with air traffic control. It was a bizarre test that no one had ever seen that asked very strange questions about European airspace and how they, a hectare versus an acre of land and blah, blah, blah. And I failed the test. I, I didn't do well on the test. I, I got like a 60 and I needed a 75 or something. And the guy said, that was not even the test I got. And I saw the test. He had a completely different test. So they were giving candidates that look like me different tests. So then people say, well, affirmative action is terrible. Yeah, it's problematic. And it's weak. I think it should go further. I really think it should be some anonymity based on these kinds of things. But that's a whole other story. So I'm just sharing. So my skepticism is born of real life experience of just hardworking people that wanted a life and were interfered with. And there was no oversight of that. There was no redress. It's just like these stories you hear about someone coming out of prison after 10, 15, 20 years. No one's held responsibility, responsible for prosecutorial misconduct. And they say, well, you shouldn't have done anything. You wouldn't have been in, in the jail in the first place. They wouldn't have suspected. No, they're going to suspect you. You walk your non-white ass around post 9-11. See what happens. Everybody gets the black treatment at some point. 9-11 did that to people of Middle Eastern background. Didn't do a thing. Worked their butt off. Some of them are still in Gitmo. I knew the case of the Persian kid who broke up with his girlfriend and she called and said uh, he was affiliated with terrorism or something. He went straight to Gitmo, never got out. Beat, abused. By the time he got out, he was so mentally ill he couldn't function. She became a born-again Christian, apologized, said her feelings were hurt. No, no, no sanctions against her, no crime, no deterrent. Huh? Every day we can look at YouTube and see people minding their own business. I'm not talking about criminals. With no redress, harassed, abused, shot, killed, with no redress, and then some quirky narrative. Well, he, was, he smoked weed once when he was uh, 14 years old. Or that he got a tardy slip when he was three, so that justified him being killed at 35. And you want me to trust it? You want me to trust it? And for the poor model minorities that come in, you know, Vin, and you can speak to this. I know many my dear family and friends, this concept of model minority, what that means is you don't say anything. You go along with everything. If you see injustice, inhumane treatment, just turn the other way, pretend it doesn't happen, and you will be rewarded. You'll be rewarded with a comfortable life, a nice house, and a good income. Don't look up. Don't look left. Don't look right. Grin on cue. Shuffle on cue. Deny who you are. Deny your heritage, your culture, your identity, and you will be rewarded. The people that come from India we know for a fact are the elite of India who have left India 
in order to advance their career because of the problems, social problems in India. We know that many Dalits and, and low caste people work as hard as they can to get the hell out of that country and come here and call themselves Brahmin amongst the Indian communities that tell them they're high caste. But they know when they get here, the low caste, the Dalit of America, is the black man. That is the American Dalit. So you don't want to be around untouchables. So even if you look like one, even if you smell like one, if you move like one, tell everybody as loud as you can, you're not one of them. And if you're in a position of authority, be the most racist person you could be. Just like the case of the, the old man working at the 7-Eleven, black man came in there with a, had an epileptic seizure, and instead of offering help, he beat him with a bat, hoping he would be rewarded by the police. But apparently the cameras are on, and he had to go to jail. Because you won't go to jail unless the cameras are running. We know that. You won't go to jail. For years and years and years, people would have a rolling commentary on what you should do and how you would have survived if Trayvon wouldn't have done this, if he wouldn't have done it. Now the cameras are rolling. And now they go, oh, this is what really happened. Oh, but there is no restitution. There is no truth and reconciliation. That's why I don't trust it. Every model minority is standing on the head and the shoulders of everyone who fought to change the immigration rules for people of color. There's not one brown person in this country that is here because of pure merit. They didn't want you here. When you polarize a society in order to dominate people, when you polarize into black and white, then you control both black and white. The cognitive elite controls us all. But that takes too much thinking. Let's just keep it simple. Let's just make it about black and white. So as long as you're anything other than black, you're not quite white, but you're better than black. That's the model minority thing. I often hear different people. I grew up with every type of immigrant you can imagine from every corner of the globe, all friends, all hanging out together, fighting together, loving together, all that. I've seen the change in that, lost the story. The story's been lost. I remember fighting shoulder to shoulder with Chinese friends against onslaughts of people and so forth. And then you hear about anti-Asian violence that are perpetuated by uh, people in the hood or whatever. It just sounds ridiculous to me. It's horrible. But this is because of ignorance. Ignorance is our real enemy. So then, yeah, this idea of conforming and going along with something corrupt and diseased um, is not for me. And everyone will experience or witness it one way or another. How many of your South Asian friends have adjusted their names so that people can say their name properly? Names are important. Your identity is important. Who are you getting along with that they don't want to learn your name? Why don't they want to learn your name? Do you have no value as a human? But if you go along with that, you can just get through everything pretty easy. At least they thought. But you know what happens on Wall Street when a lawsuit or the, uh, the banking commission comes after people. More than likely, there's going to be a guy like you that actually does time. Is that right? In the 90s, uh, there was some trade that went wrong. Brought down a bank called Kidder Peabody. So I, I think they looked at the employee files and found the one black person in the department and then hauled him out. What about that Sri Lankan dude they ran through um, a few years back? They went after him. Big Wall Street thing with the Sri Lankan guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that guy, well, I think that's a combination. Like, he was clearly uh, doing shit that he shouldn't have been doing. Like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, other people are doing the same thing. Plus, the guy who went after him is an Indian guy, Preet Bharara. Self-hate. He made it his mission to take this, uh, this Sri Lankan guy down. Yeah, self-hate. He went after someone that looked like him harder than he did someone who's on top of that. So we could go on and on with this. So I'm just letting folks know in my own biases, based on my life experience, 
And I haven't seen this system work uh, that way. I think it could work if we got rid of certain protections for malfeasance. I think judges, police, doctors should be held to much higher standards because they have sway over another human being's life. It's not like the janitor that's just uh, just just uh, wailing off uh, racist memes. When a judge does that, you have to look at everything that judge does. When a police does it, you have to look at everything they do. But that's a different direction, different talk for another day. And I hope that makes it clear to you and answers your question about conformity and the dangers of that. There's a wonderful book by Milton Moyer that says that we thought we were free. They thought they were free, something like that. It's about returning to Germany uh, after World War II and then asking his neighbors, how did you go along with all this? It's about the danger of conformity, not thinking for yourself. So there are many examples globally. I'm just handing you my own individual example and understanding of that. Uh, but if we are truly believers in individual liberty and the sanctity of the being, then these are, are, are things we, we would want to look at. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, you've articulated it extremely clearly. I mean, you painted a great picture. It's a depressing picture because we're basically, actually, maybe it's not that depressing. I mean, you could argue that's what the founding fathers had in mind, that no system is perfect. You've got people who are human beings who've got their own biases, who've got their own hatreds, their dispositions. Sometimes maybe they're just not paying attention. Whatever the reason is, there's a failure embedded in being human, and therefore liberty becomes important. It's a safeguard against people making mistakes or people going after you for arbitrary reasons. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that principle has been around for a long time. Maybe we've just forgotten it over time. And the worst part about it, Z, to me, is that there's this complete lack of accountability, as you've said. You talk about it at an individual level, and all of the mistakes that happen, the people who go to jail who shouldn't have gotten to jail, they come out. And sometimes it's not even sorry. I mean, sometimes the person who put them away has moved on to something else, you can't get a hold of them. You can't even get an apology, let alone restitution. You see this more broadly. You see this with our foreign policy, the way we've walked away from Afghanistan, millions of lives at risk. Uh, you see this in the corporate sector. We've talked about the opioid crisis and one company's quest to make a ton of money by pushing pain medication uh, just leaves this complete devastation in its wake reduces the life expectancy of the U.S. population, uh, reverses the trend towards longevity, and th there's very little accountability. So, yeah, I guess if you've got that perspective in mind, whether it's depressing or it's not depressing, it is a reality, and that brings us back to liberty and safeguarding liberty and the importance of just being able to live freely, express your own ideas, express your humanity without encumbrances, without people trying to push you in certain directions or put you inside a little box which I would argue is the opposite of living. Um, you know, so much of living is having different perspectives. Each one of us is unique. We bring different things to the table. And that's the beauty of being alive. As you're saying, you see it in your studio every day. You exchange ideas. You share experiences with other people. You have debates. It brings color. It leads to advancement. There's no way to do that if we're all just put in almost a pen and we're told, okay, this is – the area that you can explore but you can't step outside of this is just a way to shrink life almost down to nothing. Uh, it's a very nihilistic perspective. So, Z, maybe we wrap over here. We've been talking for a while. Uh, this podcast is interesting because we started on opting out and we got into concepts of personal liberty. Maybe we pick up next week and talk a little bit more about opting out because given this backdrop and given the focus on liberty, you could argue that opting out is even more important, but maybe it's harder now than ever. So that's a topic I'd like to come back to. I agree with you, and I hope everybody that listens to us, enjoys us, will chime in, uh, subscribe to our Dharma Media podcast, help us spread the news. If you hear something you like or that's uh, interesting, please share it with other people as we're trying to grow this platform. My hope with this platform is that it creates a space for those who think for themselves, who 
cherish individual liberty, individual thought, uh, to be stimulated in a way that advances our intelligence. And in doing that, we mitigate human suffering. And if we can all come together, even if we're just a few people, we can start something very positive going. And we would love to hear from you. Any topics that you'd like to discuss or share, um, uh, please uh, let us know. And that's it. And let's pick this up next week, Ben. All right. Sounds good, Z. Good night, everyone. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.